The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. for bi-weekly pop culture talk right here on the network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, alongside my man, Johnny Townsend, and we are here to bring you some uh, so, some more of our more of our fun pop culture talks. I'm really excited to do today, but first and foremost, Johnny, how are you, my friend? I'm doing fairly good. I uh, hope you're doing well. That's right. We bring the pop culture. That's right. Especially in times like this where, well, let's just face it, with the going on What's going on around us currently in the world, uh, we're not really getting out very much. So we need stuff to listen to. We need pop culture, and that's where we come in. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we've, we've harped about it on, on other shows that we're a part of right now. And, uh, you know, yeah, times are a little strange. So we're hoping that we can we can really help you in that, in that avenue. Things are definitely very weird, uh, but as, you know, the show must go on here. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're going to do our best to, entertain you as uh as we always do so today today we are talking this one's a, a very very personal one for me and i actually learned a lot uh myself too and research for it but uh today we are going to be covering the life of uh my great uncle patrick e johnson i'm very uh, excited for this it uh, should be good yeah it should i be think good. I think once we get into it, uh, you know, people who listen to the show know that we've kind of referenced him a few times. Uh, but I think one of the really interesting things about this is that we're covering uh, one of the background players who really made a lot of our pop culture stuff, you know, way more, uh, you know, like it's just popping our minds more. Like he's very vital to a couple of things that I loved growing up. So. Uh, I'm very fascinated by this, and I think it's time every once in a while uh, that some of these unsung heroes, you know, kind of get some credit. No, without a doubt. That's why I'm most excited to kind of really do this episode and spotlight him because uh, people just don't know. People don't know. Uh, but on that note, Johnny and I, we are about to get into our personal history. Then I had a chance to watch my instructor, Pat Johnson. I had never seen him do a form in competition. I have, he taught me forms, but I had only seen him spar in competition. He was the captain of the Chuck Norris, undefeated Chuck Norris black belt team. So I got to, got to see him spar many times. I was so impressed, but he said, this is his last tournament. So he's going to do a form. And he did a form called Gion, which is a, one of our higher black belt forms. And I watched him with my mouth open. I was just in awe. It was just beautiful. He had the same situation that I did. Another guy came up and did a form two-tenths of a point higher than him. He and this other person tied for second place, just like I did. So he had five minutes to prepare another form, and he was doing a form I've never seen before, but I know now it was chinte. So he got up and did a magnificent chinte. He was tossing people around, and I, I was just in awe of that form. He's, he was built short and stocky, so that's a perfect form for All right, so my personal history with my great-uncle Pat uh, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've said it on the show the last couple times that I've only met him less than a handful of times. 
All right. Uh, he grew up in Niagara Falls, and we'll get into his his uh, his upbringing uh, in just a moment. But he grew up in Niagara Falls, and then went to California for uh, for actually martial arts purposes originally, and then Hollywood came knocking at his door. Uh, so I only met him a few times. My first, the first I remember hearing uh, about him is when the very first Mortal Kombat movie came out. And for Easter, the uh, the Easter Bunny, the Easter Bunny got my dad uh, a VHS copy of Mortal Kombat. I was like, oh, this is cool. And this is before I really knew what the video games were. I didn't know. I was probably five, maybe at the time. So my I was definitely not going to be playing those games. Uh, so I didn't know. Uh, and then that my parents were like, yeah, your your dad's uncle Pat worked on it. I'm like, what? Really? And they're like, yeah, he did all the, the the fighting choreography or the stunt choreography. I was like, no way, that's so cool. So they actually let me watch it. Uh, and to be honest, Mortal Kombat isn't as, like the first Mortal Kombat movie wasn't as like disgusting visually as the movie or the video games. Yes, what right? I was about it to say. Yeah, oh. it's, it's actually, to me... Uh, it's way more PG-13 than the game ever was. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think the probably the most violent thing, and they barely show it, is when Shang Tsung gets uppercutted into the spikes at the very yeah. end. That might be the most violent aspect of it. Or the, I don't even remember that. That's how that's how quick that is. <laughs> so it was, and they did different camera tricks too. They didn't really, you know, illustrate it the, the way a Mortal Kombat game would have. So we watched it, we watched it, and I got to see his name. It was the coolest thing. We scroll up, and we seen uh, stunt coordinator, Pat E. Johnson. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. Uh, so then I became obsessed, right? I talk about him all the time. I post about him on social media now all the time. But comes to find out, there's, uh, there's actually, I have an autographed picture of him somewhere at my parents' house. We don't know where. I really, really... Gotta find it, uh, but it is a autographed picture with him in the original f- the Ninja Turtles. So like it, it, that was the, the Mortal Kombat was the first one. Then I start like figuring, see, hearing, and seeing all these different things that he's been a part of, and to find out like Ninja Turtles was was part of his legacy was astounding, and and, and so much more. There's been so many more surprises uh, in between. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I hardly know him personally, so I got to learn a little bit about him doing research for this episode, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, it, like, I feel weird sometimes being like, you know, just kind of dropping that because it, you know, because I have, I barely met him and I, you know, oh, oh, my uncle's cool, you know, uh, which he is. He's lived a really, really cool life. I, I follow him on Insta, um, uh, follow his Instagram, uh, like this, uh, I, I'm sort of I follow him on his Facebook page even though uh you know he doesn't really use it much uh there's tons and tons of images and, and whatnot from his his illustrious career it's it's truly unbelievable but uh yeah that's that's kind of been my personal history with him uh the last time I seen him I think was 2000 and I think 2008 2009 he came up for a family picnic and we we talked for a little bit it was uh it was surreal it was really really cool yeah, I couldn't even imagine. I was, I was racking my brain trying to think of if anybody in my family, uh, like the most famous person, or you know, the one who, the closest person to ever come to fame in my family. And if I'm being honest, and this is the no way to uh, boost me, but it's probably me. 
<laughs> like I, I guarantee I'm by far the most known just because of all the stuff I do. Right, you know, right. Yeah. And and I'm not really even that known, but you know, in, in the scheme of things out of my family I'm probably the most known. So I couldn't even imagine like just having somebody in my family and it's probably for the best because I know I would have I would have annoyed a crap out of them just asking questions left and right about this stuff oh yeah uh you know just having any sort of impact on movies that you know i can't wait to go through all the movies he worked on and just be like yep love that one yep love that one (laughs) you know uh i couldn't even imagine having somebody in my family who um you know who had who worked on anything that was that important to me uh especially growing up so that's pretty amazing i'm very stoked for this uh, i'm very excited um and uh, uh my family needs to step up <laughs> step your game. hey you be <laughs> yeah. the you be the trendsetter my man you be the trendsetter no like i sadly I already am <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's uh it's yeah it's strange because there are like some very ter- very talented people in my family like uh one of i think i have a distant like a cousin first well not definitely not first but like a second or maybe third uh, cousin on that side of family that records country music in Nashville. I'm just like, she's very like cool. low tier, but uh, that's still cool. It though. is, it is, it is cool. So like, there's talent that runs through my family, and you know, I, I hope that through this, I can kind of be even as half as good as them through podcasting and whatnot. I've, I feel like I've really found my stride uh, in life. So I really hope. Uh, yeah, I, I this it's. It's just astounding. It, it it really is. Uh, but you made a good point though. Like it, the for a whole generation of, of people, and that's you know like your generation, my generation, my my dad's generation. Uh, you know, there. My uncle Pat has been a part of a lot of important pieces of cinema history, cinematic history, and pop culture. And you know, I I, I do got to say, I did try to reach out to him. Uh, to kind of get an interview and stuff, but uh, I could not. I uh, you know I, I I couldn't get in touch with him unfortunately. But uh, well, he's older now too. He right? is 81, 81. He's yeah. he's living a good life. Uh, you know he's he's done so so much, and I, I can't wait to even tell you like the people that he's been around. That's the coolest thing for me. One of the coolest things for me too, that these these actors and people that I've like looked up to my entire life. He, we could probably actually do with with your uncle. We could probably do like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon and get to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> probably, I, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. It would not surprise me. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what I got from my personal history, Johnny, my man. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Nope, I'm I'm excited to get this show on the road. All right, let's do this thing. Let us go into the history of my great uncle Pat Johnson. Hi, this is Joe Rebello back at the Holiday Inn in downtown Providence, where we're here with a very special guest, Mr. Pat Johnson, a fight choreographer for such films as the Karate Kid series, also the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series, and now the fight choreographer for the brand new film, Mortal Kombat. Again, Mr. Johnson, it's a pleasure meeting you once again. Thank you, Joe. It's good to be here again. Sir, again, so many people have asked since our last episode, when they found out that you were going to be the featured choreographer for the new film Mortal Kombat, uh, many people would come up to me and ask me, well, when are we going to find out more about the film? Where are we going to find out more about Mortal Kombat? And now as, again, part two of our adventure, um, tell us a little bit about what it was like to be the fight choreographer and the incredible effort that went into making Mortal Kombat. First of all, normally when I do a martial arts film, 
I'm given a bunch of actors because Hollywood thinks in terms of acting ability first, martial arts ability second. And I will train those people, teach them just the things they need to know to put on the screen because I have a short time to work with them usually. And you know, the, the films come out pretty good. In, certainly in the, the first Karate Kid film, we had eight principals in the film and only one of them knew martial arts before we started. And the film grossed $100 million, which was at the time the top grossing martial arts film of all time. Anyway, the difference with Mortal Kombat is I was given a bunch of great martial artists. I was allowed to select and the results. I feel uh, the top four martial arts, grossing martial arts films of all time are films that I've done. I feel that Mortal Kombat is going to outgross all of them. I think it will prob probably make $150 million or more. All right, so my Uncle Pat, 81 years old, uh, born in 1939 in Niagara Falls, New York. Family of 11 children. Uh, 11 children. It, it was more commonplace back then. But I did not know. I, I did not know this because uh, uh, he's on my. He's the. He's a great uncle on my dad's side. So my dad's dad, my grandfather. Uh, I didn't know that this family was that big. And uh, yeah, they've been around for quite a while. They grew up in the rough, rough times uh, when it, Italian immigrants, Italian esque immigrants, Irish immigrants. Uh, weren't very treated very well and it's kind of interesting because his upbringing uh, his upbringing really helped mold him into the martial artist that he was he would go outside and this is uh this is courtesy of an article from centurymartialarts.com blog.century um who wrote it sarah loban wrote it on uh, may 23rd 2019 but uh he would go out she actually got to interview him he would go outside uh to go try and play with some of the kids and they would just kick the crap out of him for no reason. Uh, it was, like, it's hard. Like, I, I can relate to that. I've never been beaten up, but I can relate to that uh, being pushed away. So, it got, it, Yeah, that's a good question there. You know, um, I think everybody's had at least one bully in their childhood, even if I don't, I don't care who you were. I think at least one person, one kid, for whatever reason, just didn't like you. Yeah. I had that, but I was very lucky in that. Um, no one ever, like I was never hit or anything like that, but I was always kind of a big kid too. And that helped. And I was also always goofy, funny. So if somebody was picking on me, I was very lucky that I'd always have like a friend, like stand up for me or whatever. So I was very fortunate in that. So I can only imagine how, if I'd actually been beaten up a lot, how that would have probably changed like how I grew up. Oh, it, it, it's yeah, it does change things. Like I, I, I mean, I've been bullied too. I've been bullied too, not physically, not really physically, but mentally and stuff. And I'm very like standoffish with people. I'm, uh, I, I'm in this whole no new friends mentality. <laughs> like you might, you might honestly be one of my newest friends, and we've known each other for almost two years at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm, I just made the just cut. made the cut. You just made the cut. But I'm very standoffish for that reason. But uh, for him, it was about survival, man. He just wanted to go outside and, and do stuff and play and. Uh, you know, as, as any other kid would, you want to make friends, you want to belong. That's it's just a natural human right. uh, emotion. Uh, but yeah, he got he got beat up so much, and then it came to the point where it was about survival. So he would try and get payback on these kids. He'd uh, hit them, he'd hide behind a bush, knew where they were coming, and and, and get them with a bottle or a brick or something. That's how <laughs> it's legit. Like I, I read this, and I was like, holy crap. Uh, 
but yeah, it was very rough. He spent uh, he spent some time in an orphanage because um, his dad uh, deserted the family and his mom, uh, who actually at the time had only had a well, she only had a fourth grade education. That was very common back then too. Uh, she could not take him, so him and some of his siblings ended up spending time in an orphanage. She got a job and she got to bring them back, but uh, it was. It was interesting, but this was the really the start of his martial arts tenure. Uh, he didn't have a mentor; he just learned how to defend himself. And then he eventually, uh, you know, growing up, uh, he eventually went to Korea. He went he went to the military and got sent to the Korea. And his first actual like uh, uh, training in any kind of martial art was in 1962. He got dra- well, he got drafted. Uh, sent to Korea, he was the chaplain's assistant, or chaplain's assistant. Uh, and he befriended a Korean man by the name of Kang Lo-hee, uh, who was assigned to the army. They, he was the, um, the translator for the American army. And they actually, uh, he was actually a master of Tang Soo-do, which is pretty cool. So they actually did a little trade. They did a little trade-off. He would teach my Uncle Pat uh, the martial art of Tang Soo-do in exchange for my Uncle Pat helping him improve his English, so this is really cool. Uh, but for that's very neat. That's already see that's already cool in itself, and we ain't even got to everything your uncle got to. No, do. I know, I know. I mean, this is the very, very beginning, uh, and yeah, he, it's it's unbelievable. So for 13 months uh, after that agreement, he trained every day in Tang Sudo, and he was actually he he was really, really good at it, really, really good at it. Uh, and after that 13 months, he came home, and there was no. Uh, and keep in mind too, this is like martial arts was a very unorganized at the time he came in. Very few schools out there, and there was definitely not a Tang Soo Do school in Niagara Falls. So he uh, he opened up. Like what? Like what decade are we kind of? This is still at the right 60s. Now? This is still the 60s. Okay. Um, so this is the coming into really when things got big. So he actually uh, opened his own school. He called it Tim Studio, and it was the that was the name of the nearest instructor. Uh, which Master Tim in Buffalo, New York. When in Buffalo from Niagara Falls is about 25, 30 minutes away, so that's how it was. It was a little sporadic, not too bad of a drive, but it was a little, little spread out. Uh, but he trained with him to further his martial arts training and began to travel to regional competitions. Uh, so here's a cool. Uh, this is an amazing, like, connection here. So he went to a tournament in Detroit. And struck up a friendship with a uh, a martial artist who had also trained in Korea, so kind of just like him. Uh, that man lived in California, and he had owned several karate schools. And uh, that man was Chuck Norris. Oh, this is, this is already so awesome! This is, this is so <laughs> cool. Uh, at the tournament, Chuck went up to him and goes, "If you ever come to California, look me up." And he said, I think we could work together and do really well. And uh, after that tournament, he came home to Ni- my Uncle Pat, came home to Niagara Falls, but it was like, I can't, there's nothing for me here. I got to go. So he uh, he just packed up a suitcase, packed with him a change of clothes, his karate uniform, and a few dollars that he had to his name. And he, uh, he took a bus trip, a Greyhound, out to California. And he met his good friend. He met oh, Chuck man. Norris. How long of a trip is that? On I a can't imagine. I know, I think. I don't know, cause not New York to Niagara Falls to like I, we go to Orlando, we drive. It's like twenty one hours straight through. Um, yeah, 
<clears throat> and that's not on a bus. Buses are a little, little bit slower. slower, and I'm sure there's stops and maybe and, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, you can't even drive. Uh, they're probably not driving straight through. There's probably little breaks in between. So I, I don't know. It's probably a two-day trip, two, three-day trip at least. Uh, but, yeah, so things start to unravel. He's doing really good. He's tight with Chuck Norris, and uh, Chuck was he's just opening up. He was becoming like the Pizza Hut of, of karate schools who just opened up a chain of them. Karate school after karate school, and he had six at the time, and he asked if he would take if my Uncle Pat would take over one at uh, Sherman Oaks which he did, and he was really good at teaching the martial arts. And uh, he, one of the things he said that he really enjoyed was that there was a balance between discipline and having fun, uh, which is really neat. So while he was teaching there, too, uh, Chuck Norris is like, hey, do you want to be on my competition team? Uh, uh, schools, uh, well, it's the school's fighting team, uh, that, which was the Chuck Norris competition team. Which is, So all those chains, the best of, uh, he was a part of it. Really, really cool. He uh, he became the team captain of that co- that, that fighting team, and uh, like he he was like certified, undisputed, like the number one guy in their team. And uh, they won a lot of tournaments. Actually, uh, they actually went undefeated. If uh, if I'm not incorrect, let's see. I'm trying to find the little spot here. Uh, their team went undefeated, but him as a martial artist in, in karate uh, fighting style. His uh, he had 198 matches with 196 victories, one loss, and one draw that he took because it was all his team needed to win. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable! Wow. Like that's it's so cool. That's an amazing winning percentage. <laughs> really, really good. Like, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about karate competition and 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 all time greats, but that's like remarkable as to how good he was. Uh, but he eventually uh, took over to running Chuck Norris's studios while Chuck went off to uh, pursue acting and, and, and all that. So, uh, And then not too long after that, my Uncle Pat started to do his, his own stuff. Uh, he started to get into Hollywood. So this is probably... So let's, so, let's, so let's think about this, too. Like This is the era like just right before Chuck Norris would become yes. huge. That's what it sounds like to me. So he's on the verge of becoming a huge like at one point Chuck Norris was like a megastar. So uh, this is on the on the on the eve of that and your uncle knows this yeah. man. Uh, that's just that's just incredible. It's oh it's so unbelievable and it gets better. So here we go through through Chuck Norris uh my great uncle Pat he met another very very famous martial arts uh celebrity and that man's name was Bruce Lee. Oh, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> so, Bruce Lee and my uncle were very, very close. There's actually YouTube videos. I might play a clip here in between segments um, of him, my uncle talking about his relationship with Bruce Lee, how uh, just in, intricate it was. But uh, they they were looking for a stuntman that was familiar with martial arts for Lee's movie, Enter the Dragon. You might have heard of it. And my, oh, and my uncle Pat's name came up. So... Uh, at the time, in that era, most Hollywood stuntmen were not very well-versed in martial arts, uh, which makes no sense. That's like hiring a football coach that only has experience in basketball. Uh, you know. I remember, just for just for, just for a, a, an example, I remember there was a show that came on Saturdays when I was a kid. It was called Hang Time. Okay. And it was a show about these kids in high school or middle school, around that, they were around that age, who played basketball. They were on a basketball team. 
And the first season or so, Reggie Theus, who was a real basketball player, was their coach. But then, for whatever reason, in the season after that, he gets replaced by uh, uh, who's that football guy? Ditkus. Okay, Mike Ditka. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It gets replaced by him, who's a, who I knew was a football guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, this, and I, and I refused it. <laughs> I, I will never watch this garbage. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, what was the show called? Hang, Hang time. time. Okay, I'll have to look yeah. it up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's really what the Hollywood martial arts scene was kind of at the time. So they brought him in. They reached out to him. And he showed up, and the director goes, okay, are you going to do the dialogue? And he was like, what? What dialogue? Uh, nobody said anything about dialogue. Uh, but he only had, like, a few lines in the movie and actually just shared it to the Retropop page the, a couple days after we announced it. Uh, but he played one of the trio of thugs who attempted to, to assault John Saxon's character, Roper, who had failed to p- repay a loan from Mob Boss. And his legit most famous line, he gets... Uh, he still got it, you know. Everybody said something to him. It's the line was, "It's the dough roper, or we gotta break something." Uh, and then he just—they just got the crap kicked out of him. So, you, you know, just think about this. Like, just even just having a small part in—I uh, would say—an iconic oh, yeah. movie is pretty. It's pretty amazing. But the fact that that's not all he did. Like he was, you know, he was being really involved in it. But just having one small scene in that's you know, freaking cool. Oh yeah. It, it's, that was surprising to me. Cause I know he's been in some movies and we're going to get to some of those too. Uh, in just a moment here, but like, I, like that's like his, like his like iconic small time. Well, one of his iconic, uh, roles, especially for a speaking part. Uh, but yeah, he was way more behind the scenes uh, with it, but it's, it's, it's so cool because he looks like, cause obviously him and my grandfather are brothers, but, how like I'll look at old pictures of my grandfather and just how much they look alike. It's it's so, it's surreal, it's very surreal. Uh, but that was the first one. That was the first major one. So that's his, that's your first like movie Hollywood gig is Enter the Dragon. Crazy, uh, but eventually <laughs> that's a isn't great it? start. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, unbelievable. It's <laughs> but he eventually uh, yeah he eventually expanded his acting and stunt work. He was a writer for the Chuck Norris film, uh, A Force of One, and he choreographed the fight scenes and helped direct uh, the Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, And he trained a lot of non-martial artist actors for martial arts films, like from scratch. So he served a very, very important role. Uh, But his teaching credentials, this is one of the most important things, his teaching credentials brought him to the set of The Karate Kid. you know, some of the most famous characters. We all love the Karate Kid. 80s, like, it defined a generation. And, uh... Still holds it up. It still holds up pretty pretty well. Uh, he disciplined the crap out of the actors. He he did it very... Like, he did it, like, differently with everybody. Uh, he was, like, the... Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, he, I mean, he worked with Ralph Macchio, of course, uh, in that movie. And Pat Morita, who is Mr. Miyagi, uh, but he trained all of them differently because he knew he knew what kind of how their roles would be presented. He trained them. He trained Mr. Miyagi how to be a teacher in this movie, how to present himself. It was really really cool. Uh, so that's how he uh, that's how he he operated. He he was very very hard on John Kreese, uh, actor John Kreese, who was the leader of the Cobra Kai. So. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's 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 pretty neat. 
uh, to see that. But he was really happy with how the training went, and of course he got to be the referee in the movie. And he actually did that specifically so he can have a hands-on approach. He didn't want to just train these guys in martial arts and kind of let them go free. He, he was like, can I, can I rough this so I can have a hands-on? I'm right there. I can coach these guys through it uh, as they're filming this. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, 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 it's pretty incredible uh, to see that. He's had so much, uh, just so much success, so much success, uh, you know, in the world of martial arts. And we're going to get through some of that in the Matt Stats portion in just a moment. Uh, but I'm going to read off. I'm going to read off all the films that he's been a part of, for uh, for this. All right. So, uh, as an actor, as an actor, there's uh, the most recent rendition of Rush Hour. There's a there's a TV show. He played an old man, Johnny Flinton. It's just like a short movie. He's a referee. Uh, played in all the Karate Kids, all three Karate Kids. He was a referee in that. Uh, Battle Creek Brawl. So that's with Jackie Chan. He was in that movie. Uh, Tom Horn, which uh, I believe it's a Steve McQueen movie. Uh, the Little Dragons, A Force of One, Good Guys Were Black, The Ultimate Warrior, uh, Golden Needles, Enter the Dragon. Uh, as a writer, just Air Force One. And then for stunt stunts, um, the, now this is the most uh, recent stuff that he's done. So me being a huge Marvel fan, I was really excited to see this, but... Uh, he was the stunt coordinator for Punisher Warzone. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, one of, that's probably one of my favorite interpretations <clears throat> of Frank Castle in live action too. Yeah, uh, Wheelmen, yeah. Green Street Hooligans, La Femme Musketeer, the de- uh, Detonator, Johnny Flinton, as I already mentioned, Scorcher, Project Viper, They Crawl, Militia, Wild what what Wild Wild West? I did not know that. So that's the Wiki Wow Wiki Wow yeah. Wild West. Jim West, he's a Desperado. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, they actually brought him in. We all, we talked about how terrible that movie was. They brought him in to salvage that movie towards the back half of filming. Uh, Batman and Robin, he had a part in. That's, That's so the cool. one with Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. the, obviously the first Mortal Kombat, the next Karate Kid, all three TMNT movies, Buffy the Vampire, Vampire Slayer, uh, from 1992, oh, the movie? yep. Oh, Showdown movie. in Little Tokyo. Uh, Cat oh, Squad. Uh, let's see, what's this? To Live and Die in L.A., The Last Ninja. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, this is quite the resume here. Uh, we got a few more here. Force 5, we already mentioned Battle Creek Brawl, The Hunter, Missile X, uh, good guys, hot potato, the ultimate warrior, golden needle, black, black belt Jones, and to, did you say he was a writer on Air Force One? Yes, or uh, is that is that the, or, the Harrison? No, Ford no, no, movie? not that one. Uh, it's uh, a force okay. of one, a force of one. That's the that's the Chuck oh, okay, Norris okay. one. But that is his. I mean, that's his filmography. That's that's everything he's had his hands in, in in one shape or other. So it's uh, that's pretty impressive. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Even if even if he only worked on all three Ninja Turtle movies, I would have thought he was the greatest man ever. <laughs> no, with <laughs> but he did so much without more than a that. doubt, without a doubt. Uh, but that's I mean that's his biography. That's his that's his biography. So, uh, man, what a what life! A life. 
It's so cool. I dude, I can't wait to upload this episode. You have no idea. You have no so idea. Cool. But on that note, let us go over and uh we got some stuff to talk about for Matt's stats. After returning from Korea as a black belt, I began to travel the East Coast tournament circuit, karate tournament circuit. And I was very fortunate in that when I went to a tournament in Detroit, I ran into Chuck Norris. Now Chuck, of course, was on the West Coast from the LA area, and I was from New York, Niagara Falls, but he and I struck a really good bond at the time because we had both trained in Korea. We'd both gotten our black belts in Korea. All right, so on top of all that, uh, so yeah, what a life my Uncle Pat has had. Uh, you know, he, he's, here, here's some famous people that he's actually gotten to train. He's trained a lot of people in his lifetime, uh, but he, uh, he has some, some pretty notable students here. Uh, the Osmond family, the music group, <laughs> Bob Barker, oh, man. <laughs> uh, and Steve McQueen. Those are all his most notable students. Wow, yeah. those are huge names. Huge honestly. names. Uh, so, so yeah. So those are some of his some of his most famous students. He's had he's had many um, in his in his day. But uh, and I'm just gonna it's his achievements are are brief. Uh, of course, I'm gonna run through. Well, I'm not gonna say brief, but uh, I'm gonna run through kind of his his little his lineage with with martial arts and, and whatnot. So 1963, he began training in Tang Soo Do. Mudu Kwan in South Korea under King Duhi. Uh, 1965, he received first degree black belt in Tang Soo Do. Uh, 1968, began training under Chuck Norris and was made chief of instruction for the uh, Chuck Norris Karate Studios. In 1968, he formulated the penalty point system currently used in karate tournaments. So he created that. Uh, from 1968 to 73, he served as captain of the Chuck Norris black belt competition team which won 33 consecutive national and international titles. Uh, 1971, began National Tang Soo Do champion. 1973, he was named vice president of the National Tang Soo Do Congress by Chuck Norris. Uh, in 1975-76, he won the Golden Fist Award for Best Karate Referee in the United States. 1980, named as the executive vice president of the United Fighting Arts Federation. Uh, 84, served as the stunt coordinator for the Karate Kid. In 1986, he was awarded ninth degree black belt by Chuck Norris. That is the highest honor uh, you can get, and it's very, very hard to achieve. Very, you got to be very, very dedicated. Um, 1986, due to philosophical reasons, he left that uh, United, United Fighting Arts Federation and reformed the National Tang Sudo Congress. He had a uh, difference of opinion with Chuck Norris and lived to tell the tale. So that <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, he had a dodge roundhouse kick, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> 1989, he served as stunt coordinator for the Teen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In 1993, he was inducted into the North American Sport Karate Association Hall of Fame. Uh, 95, served as stunt coordinator for Mortal Kombat. In 1996, uh, inducted into the Black Belt Magazine Black Belt Hall of Fame as Instructor of the Year. So. Uh, an incredible lineage. He's not as active now as he used to be, of course, but uh, he still pops up every now and then uh, for for reference. Uh, one cool thing, too, and I just found this figure. Uh, I've had it for a couple years now. He has an action figure from the, karate, from the karate Kid movie. 
He does. But he never got royalties on it because it's just known as the referee. I, I, it, it's <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Uh, I, I, I forgot the legal reasons, but it's legit his face, and it says referee in a white shirt instead of the red like the movie. But um, yeah. but yeah, it has like this chopping action. It's the coolest thing. Uh, I'll have to show you a picture of it. It's uh, or a video. Yeah, it's it's. I found it. I was just googling one day, and I was like, uh, uh, "Karate Kid action figures." And his his figures showed up. I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's a really good toy too. It's a really good toy. But uh, yeah, so he has he has his own action figure too, which I found uh, pretty pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that is it for the Matt stats portion of this. Let's uh, let's get into Johnny's. Did you know? I can remember being at Bruce's house with he and Linda when Brandon was little and to see him pick up his son and give his son a kiss and show the tenderness and put his son to bed, leave all of his guests and everyone. His son was more important. He didn't say, Linda, do this. He did it. The funny thing is he never wanted his son, Brandon, for example, to ever even consider being an actor. He said, someday, you're going to grow up to be the biggest producer in Hollywood and you're going to call the shots and you'll tell everybody who can be a star and who can, can't be a star. No one's going to tell you that because you're Chinese that you can't be a leading man. So he, that's the goal that he had for his, his son. All right, so I decided to do something a little different for this. Yep. Hold on a second. Yeah, so I decided to do something a little different here. Uh, this is kind of a different sort of episode for us, really. Uh, but, you know, your uncle was so pivotal to so many awesome movies that had awesome fights in them. So I thought to myself, hey, why not uh, come up with my favorite, uh, you know, fight scenes from movies or TV? So that's what I did. And I asked you if you wanted to come up sure. with some, too. All right, so I'm going to start with, uh, of course, one of my all-time favorites is the Ninja Turtles rooftop scene. On the first Ninja oh, Turtles yeah. movie, they're fighting Shredder. Uh, man, what, and then Splinter comes and saves the day. What a great, great scene. Um, then after that, I have that dare, you know, the very first season of Daredevil, the okay. hallway fight scene, man, I, I rewound and watched that episode three or four times because that fight scene was yeah, so Yeah, cool. that was the hallway, was, the hallway one, and then they had the staircase one the next yeah. season that worked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of course I also had, I had to have the Karate Kid Karate Tournament. Uh, I can watch just that whole Karate Tournament the part of that movie over and over and over again. It's got everything that in itself could have been in an own little movie inside. Oh that yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it has everything it's got, you know, really well done karate fights. And on top of that, it's got all the drama you need. Uh, you get, you know, you, you just get all this from all the characters and stuff and, and your uncle's in it. So that's <laughs> pretty great. Uh, the next one I had was from, uh, Captain America, civil war. Uh, I was trying to decide if I wanted the one where all the heroes are fighting each other, but I think, for me, the most pivotal and incredible fight scene is when it's Iron Man taking on Cap and the Winter Soldier, so that's probably the one I went with. There. Okay. Uh, then, of course, uh, Jackie Chan and Drunken Master. Uh, have you ever seen that movie? I flipping love that movie. I gotta, I gotta rewatch it. has been a while. I gotta rewatch it again. Yeah, it's so, it's so good. Uh, and then a game of death, which is a Bruce Lee film. It's, I think it's the one where he didn't. I think he died making that one. I think it's when he okay. died in. But uh, it's Bruce Lee versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what what a great fight scene that is, and it's just the the difference in the two because you know Kareem's this big seven foot, whatever basketball player, 
uh, and taking on Bruce Lee. So it's man, what a what a crazy awesome <laughs> fight. Uh, the next one I had was in the series, the original series, the Star Trek. <laughs> There's this uh, episode where Captain Kirk takes on this alien that's called a Gorn. <laughs> Those lizard things. It, Yes, so you've seen this? Yeah. It's, it's the greatest it's the greatest terrible fight I've ever seen. And so I can watch that fight I mean, for the comedy value. It's so good. And then on that same note, um, there was a show that was on, and actually I got my middle name from Lee Majors, and Lee Majors was the $6 million man. And in this one episode, he literally fights Bigfoot. Okay. And it, too, is uh, on the same level of as that Kirk versus Gorn fight. I encourage you to look it up as well. Um and I think I'm trying I think Bigfoot was actually played by um Andre the Giant if I'm thinking Oh right. really? I know I know I know it was somebody famous. I think it was Andre okay. the Giant. Um and then of course I, I was trying to think I love Mortal Kombat the movie. I was trying to think which fight, you know, I was thinking maybe the Sub Zero fight because it was so good or the Scorpion fight because it's so good. But ultimately the one that really always stands out in my mind is Johnny Cage versus Goro. Yes. So I went I went with that one. Uh, and then I went with um, Way of the Dragon, which is another Bruce Lee movie, but it's when he actually fights Chuck okay. Norris. I mean, it's two icons uh, fighting each other. I mean, how cool is that? It doesn't get any cooler. And then uh, I'm going to end it with my personal favorite Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi. And it's when the Ewoks are taking on the Stormtroopers, and at the same time, you get Luke taking on his dad. <laughs> and which, is, which, to my opinion, there's been better since we've gotten... Uh, more crazier, you know, lightsaber fights. But for my money, that's my favorite lightsaber okay. fight. I dig it. Those are some great ones. I yeah, I got a few. I yeah. got a few. Uh, I I do. I like a very well choreographed fight. Um, you know, we're both pro wrestling fans, and I like very very yeah. choreographed does not look as good in a pro wrestling match as it does in in a movie. Uh, it's it's one hundred percent true. So I'm going to start with the Star Wars route. Uh, I I I'm going to go with that one. So Episode One. And three, episode one, the big lightsaber battle with Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, and uh, and Ray Park as Darth Maul was incredible. Oh, yeah, that's so that good. That was like a, yeah. that was mind-blowing when you when you think, because that's the first movie since the original trilogies, and the original trilogy lightsaber battles were more uh, poetic and, and Shakespearean the, like, yeah. and, and very, very slow tempo, not very... I still, yeah, I still re- literally remember when... When uh, Darth Maul shows up and he pulls out his lightsaber and he's already got that one out and then the other one pops out of the other yeah. side, and I went crazy for that. It was the coolest thing. <laughs> that yeah, that saved the movie for me. Oh yeah, honestly. Th- that, that fight, that lightsaber battles weren't like it. It it, uh, it picks it up. It, it's almost untouchable and it's probably one of the best lightsaber duels of all time. Uh, but I do like the Anakin Skywalker versus Obi Wan one, of course, at the very end of the movie. Very choreographed, yeah. very good storytelling. Uh, that. Yeah, don't do it. I have the high ground. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everything before that, though. Uh, uh, I loved you, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> was really, really cool. Uh, and that's got to be one of the most, honestly, in a Star Wars movie, that's got to be one of the most graphic parts, too, in any of them, right? Yeah. Where Anakin's there, and he's literally catching on fire from lava, burning Yeah, alive. that was the only, I think, only Star Wars movie rated PG-13. Or at least, if the, I don't know, know if the new ones were, but... Uh, before that, all the other movies were, I think, PG, and then this one was PG thirteen. Yeah. So, um, it, it was a huge step up in violence. There was a lot of that going on. Uh, the as far as like the Avengers, uh, I did like the Infinity War movie. As far as the uh, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and the Guardians against Thanos, 
That yes. was a cool little bit. There was yeah. a lot of cool scenes and 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 emotional flow in that one. It was very uh, like it legit tugged at my emotions throughout the whole thing. It was yeah. really really well done. I get really upset with people who are like Star Lord was an idiot in that part. Uh, and I'm like, the dude, like, literally just found out the love of his life was yeah. murdered. You know, uh, you, you, I don't know how you would handle no, it. No, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be very good. Uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat, I'm going to go, uh, I really like the Liu Kang and Reptile fight. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know what, Mortal Kombat, honestly, I want to go back and watch it again. It's been a while since I've seen it. But there really are a lot of really good fight scenes there in that are. movie. There are. There's, I mean, there's very few duds. Very, very few duds. They, they did a my Uncle Pat did a good job organizing those fights. Yes, he did. Uh, undoubtedly yes. so. Huge fan of Bloodsport. Huge fan of Bloodsport. Oh, yes. Legit, yep. that, the tournament aspect of that movie was great, and the choreography was cool because there was all these different styles and whatnot. I, I enjoyed those. The final battle, of course, was really cool. Uh, the first kickboxer, really liked, uh, really enjoyed that movie uh, and, and some of the fighting scenes in that. Uh, huge Jean-Claude Van Damme fan, uh, I am. So, uh, yeah, those are probably some of my top ones. Uh, another one that he did, I really liked the uh, is Punisher Warzone in the mo- You've seen it, right? Uh, did I ask you this? Okay. Yes. Yes. You know when yeah. he uh, the mob scene at the beginning, and he just hangs off the chandelier and just shoots everybody's heads off and stuff like yes. that. I love it, yeah. and he's a part of that forever. So, uh, so yeah, that is definitely one of my. Uh, those are some of my favorite fight scenes. I mean, there's so many more. There's there could be so many more, but oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I could have just like spent more time just from Ninja Turtle movies and Avengers movies. Oh honestly. yeah, absolutely. Just from those franchises alone. But uh, the one the one that I had the hardest time with is like I'm a huge Batman nerd. I love Batman, and I was trying to think of his movies, and I was like, I don't I don't know if there are any of his movies where. A fight itself actually stands out for the fight. You know what though, the you know? Dark Knight one. Uh, Dark Knight, he had when he was going into that tower uh, to get that to stop the to stop the Joker. There were some cool fight scenes in there. Oh yeah, and there was yeah yeah. It was pretty. That was interesting. How there were some that, neat ones in that. Sure. Uh, him and Bane were what, the second time, second go around was pretty cool. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, dude, great. That's the closest I got to, and I know this movie gets. For understandable reasons, it gets really dug, drug through the mud. Was when it was Batman versus Superman, yeah. but that scene where he's taking on all those goons and trying to save Superman's and he kills mom. Him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Martha, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> but like when he's actually fighting those guys, like there's some pretty sweet moves from Batman. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, that's the only thing I was trying to think of. I think Batman movies could really use some of your Uncle Pat's uh, advice. <laughs> There's a lot of movies that could use his advice. Yeah. The animated stuff for Batman's way better when it comes to Oh, that 100%. Stuff, but, so uh, much easier to animate. Yeah. So much easier. Yeah. Yeah, to be um, fair, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So I think on that note, we're going to get into uh, uh, our last little bit here for, for Retro Pops episode, uh, his impact on pop culture. That's a tough shot, Mr. Roper. Uh, excuse me, fellas. I say you can't make it. Well, you bet. You gotta love them. Come on, Roper. It's 175 big ones by Monday the 15th. Only 150. You forget interest. Well, then maybe I ought to talk to Freddy. 
take advantage, Roper. Come on, fellas. It's the dough, Roper, or we gotta break something. You got it? Freddy says this is for your own good. So we've already talked about it. I mean, we've but we've mentioned how like his he's had a hand in in pot in, in movies that a lot of people remember very very fondly. Uh, you know, it's he his work defined an entire '80s generation of of martial arts slash karate movies, uh, and that are still have cult followings to this day. Uh, you know, he came in, and just from a movie perspective, he came in and he changed the game. He brought uh, stunt coordinators, martial arts, you know, uh, fighting coordinators. He made their the expectations so much higher because he came in and did it. And instead of these these hacks who who couldn't quite cut it, uh, you bring him in who's uh, an expert and he was great at what he did. And you you raise the bar, you raise the standard, and, and honestly, the 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 quality of martial art American martial arts movies at that point uh fighting like fighting scenes were you could tell the quality was starting to get a little bit better uh you know in in that respect Uh, especially martial arts based ones Uh, as far as his impact for for karate and and the national you know the the national governing bodies he uh you know, he, he just held everything to a higher standard. He, like we mentioned he developed a point system and, and whatnot. He's uh, he's very yeah, – I, I forgot what the exact phrase was or quote or, or happening, but uh, he was very against, like, knockoff because it's, it's really easy to kind of just open up your own karate studio and, and say you're, you know, you're an expert because of online. I see it happen in pro wrestling all the time, and he was very, very against uh, that happening. Like, people would do the bare minimum. They'd be like a first-degree black belt, and then they'd go and open up a school and pass on. I'm not going to say they're bad habits, but, I mean, if you're not a master master at something, you shouldn't be training other people and doing it. So he was very, very just outspoken and against it. He just held everything to a very, very high standard. And, like, I I, like, I respect his life, man. I wish I would have got to know him. Uh, a whole lot to be able to pick up and just move somewhere uh, the way he did. It takes, it takes a lot of guts, and yeah. and especially with only the few dollars he had in his pocket. But uh, you know, he took a chance on himself, and he made something happen. And that's something like, uh, you know, that's a crossroads that I hope I get to you know uh, face maybe someday with this. And of course, I'm married. I'm I ain't going anywhere as far as that goes. But I hope like I can have that opportunity to to do something really cool with my life the way he did. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely, 81 years old, he's lived a life definitely worth living. It's been full of life and, and so many moments and memories and, and things to hang your hat on. He's very, very well admired. Uh, you know, just looking at his Facebook page, he has Facebook conversations with with uh, some of the actors that he's worked with. Uh, Ho Sung Pak, who actually... Uh, he like they're they're tight. He was this. He was the guy who did the uh, the animation. Uh, he was they dressed up. He dressed up as Liu Kang and Shang Tsung in the first Mortal Kombat game. They're close. Uh, I seen him have conversations with Robin Shaw on his Facebook page. Robin Shaw played Liu Kang in the first Mortal Kombat movie, and there's been so oh, many others. Cool. Um, I've gotten messages asking about some of his DVD collections, which I find really cool. So he's had a very big impact on people's lives. That uh, you know. If you're not in 
with karate, you're not like on the ends. You don't know what's going on. You have no idea. Uh, so very, very, I very, very much yeah. admire him, and I consider him an inspiration, even though I've, like I said, barely know him. Yeah, it, I think there's many like him who are unsung. I mean, I said it before, kind of unsung heroes to pop culture, who had such a hand in making some of the, you know, some of the things that really stand out. Uh, you know, uh, he had a hand in so many movies that really that I really loved as a kid and still love today. Uh, that it's you know. He has an amazing legacy. Uh, like, that's a life that you can look back on and be like, you know what? Not too bad. You know, not too shabby. Uh, the f- And honestly, like, just for the, the matter of the fact that he was so, he was good enough that Chuck Norris wanted him to represent him. Yeah. Is incredible. I mean, just, just that. If he only did that, that in itself was amazing. Uh, but no, he did so much more. And... And also on top of that, there's so many other people like your uncle who are vital to some of these movies, uh, either for you know other stunt and fight coordinators to um, writers or, or, or whatever, just different other people that we don't really hear about uh, as much, unless unless you're like an uber nerd like us and you're really digging this stuff. Uh, and I just love that that he is he is one of these people that really helped shape these things. I mean. Uh, if he didn't do these things with, like you were describing, uh, you know, how he took kind of each actor and kind of uh, was different with each one for Karate Kid. Uh, just think if he hadn't done that. It could have, like, changed how the movie was. Uh, and instead of being the classic that it is today. Um, you know, so there's so many things. Uh, man, I'm so, like, I'm jealous. And I'm, and I'm not even afraid to admit this. I'm jealous that he's not my uncle. <laughs> I know that you didn't, uh, it's not like you got to talk to him a lot, but the fact that you had any conversation with him at all to me is incredible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said before that, I know I would have just asked him the annoying questions. He would have got tired of me, <laughs> but, uh, but man, what a, what a great life. Uh, definitely will left a great impact on pop culture for sure. For, for oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, man, what a, what a life. What a life. That's so incredible. It is. It absolutely is, man. Very, very, very jealous. But, uh, yeah, I think that just about wraps up uh, this feature on uh, my great-uncle Pat, Patrick E. Johnson's life. Uh, Johnny, what do we have to look forward to in the uh, in our next episode here for Retropop? Have you decided yet? Oh, man, we might be going to uh, the basketball court. And we might be going uh, at some time during that time. We'll probably uh, have a little bit of a space jam because I'm going to be talking about uh, Mr. Michael Air Jordan himself. You know, we're in a we're in an era now, right now, where all sports are kind of stopped as we're trying to uh, uh, help each other out here and get rid of this terrible virus that's going around. So uh, when I decided I was going to do this, it was when the NBA Finals were, or the NBA Playoffs were about to start and the March Madness was going to be hitting up. But, of course, we're not having those now. <laughs> so, uh, but I still think it'll be fun to do. I mean, there's not as much sports right now. And we haven't covered a sports person yet. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up. We're going to be talking some Michael Jordan. I love it. I love it. But, uh, all right, that wraps it up. Everybody, thank you so much for your endless support here on this show. On behalf of Johnny and I, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Retro Pop. Go pop yourself.